Did you know nuclear energy is America's largest full-time source of climate-friendly power? In fact, nuclear energy provides about 50% of the country's carbon-free electricity. That's almost as much as all the solar panels, wind turbines, hydroelectric dams, and all other clean energy sources combined. Energy Northwest is a premier provider of carbon-free electricity in the Pacific Northwest. Its mission is to provide safe, reliable, cost-effective, responsible power generation and innovative energy and business solutions to its public power members and regional customers. To learn more about Energy Northwest, visit our website at energy-northwest.com. That's energy-northwest.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, Energy West listeners. I'm Jason Fordney, editor of California Energy Markets. I'm flying solo once again for this edition of Energy West. My colleague, Dan Ketchbowl, is on yet another vacation. I'm just kidding. He deserves it. But I'm going to run down some of the top headlines here on our California-focused episode this week. First of all, I'll be talking about the wholesale market in the California Independent System Operator how the cost of serving load and CAISO has more than doubled between 2020 and 2022. This is from a new report from CAISO's Department of Market Monitoring. And I'll be talking a little bit more about natural gas dynamics. Natural gas really rearing its head in these costs here in the wholesale market in California. Also, a little bit of community choice aggregator news. This would be the California Community Choice Association requesting rehearing from state regulators, that's California Public Utilities Commission, on a recent decision that restricted CCA expansions. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And finally, uh, something very welcome across the industry here, and that's grid interconnection reforms from Washington, D.C., the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So we'll be getting into that topic a little bit. So firstly, my bottom line's column from Friday's CEM, talking about wholesale costs in California. This is the uh, latest annual report from the Department of Market Monitoring, which really lays out the picture in terms of how the price of natural gas affects wholesale electricity prices in CAISO. So the wholesale cost to serve load in CAISO in 2022 was $21.6 billion. You compare this to the 2020 cost, that was $8.9 billion. So we've seen more than a doubling of the wholesale cost to serve load. This on a megawatt hour basis, wholesale costs rose from $42 per megawatt hour in 2020 to $95 per megawatt hour, according to data in DMM's annual report on market issues and performance. So we see a lot of finger pointing uh, in the West here in the modern energy debate, such as which energy resources are eroding reliability and which ones are driving up prices, it's very evident that benchmark gas prices have an outsized impact on the cost of electricity in the Golden State. So in 2022, the cost of serving load in CAISO rose by 70% from the previous year, according to DMM. If you adjust for higher natural gas prices and changes in greenhouse gas prices, those costs per megawatt hour rose by a less severe 10%. Also, this report showed some insight into September 2022, 
That's when Kaiso set a new instant, instantaneous demand peak of 52,061 megawatts. That was the infamous September 6th weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, where we came very close to rolling outages. DMM referred to this as a one in 25 year weather driven high load event. Despite that new instantaneous peak, average load decreased in 2022, in part because of an increase in behind the meter solar. In California, the rooftop solar does not show up at KISO other than a demand reduction and is not controlled by KISO. Expansion of the Western energy and balance market helped improve the overall structure and performance of the real-time market in KISO and other participating balancing areas, according to DNM. In 22, we saw some new entities join the Western EIM. That includes Avista Utilities, Tacoma Power, Bonneville Power Administration, and Tucson Electric Power. WEIM load peaked at about 130 gigawatts on September 6th. This is from the report, quote, Western energy and balance market transfers served some of this extremely high demand in some balancing areas, including the California ISO. Most areas were net exporters in net peak hours during September heat wave, with KISO accounting for the most imports. KISO was also supplemented by California Strategic Reliability Reserve, which are the temporary gas units added uh, by Governor Gavin Newsom and state agencies a couple of years ago, and also voluntary demand reduction. New resources bumped up the summer energy margin, totaling 4 point gigawatts of capacity added between June 2021 and June 2022, 5.6 gigawatts since June 2022. These are big numbers. Most of this was solar and battery storage. So natural gas prices generally drive electricity prices in the West because natural gas prices set the marginal cost of natural gas and other resources and in the ISO and other regional markets. Also, there was some interesting information from Linda Daly-Paulson in our price report last week talking about natural gas. For instance, right now, Southern California Gas Line 225 prevented any natural gas from flowing on the line beginning Jan july 27th repairs should keep it offline through august 11th what we see in california we don't have much in-state natural gas production we rely on several pipelines and when those go out uh, it creates problems so analysts and this is energy gps analysts said natural gas being delivered into socal city gate is being split between power demand and storage injections to meet winter natural gas demand but strong demand might prevent natural gas from being stored. That be could become an issue this winter. No natural gas was added to Pacific region storage during the U.S. Energy Information Administration report week. A total of 232 billion cubic feet remains in storage, according to the EIA. So moving on from natural gas, I'd like to talk a little bit about community choice aggregators, what's going on there. California Community Choice Association, also known as CalCCA, July 26th filed an application for rehearing with the California Public Utilities Commission. This was in response to a CPUC decision that could prevent community choice aggregators and other load-serving entities from expanding service to new communities. This is because, the CPUC said in its decision, the Commission's Energy Division has observed a significant increase in LSE resource adequacy deficiencies in recent years. 
The energy division, quote, notes that despite the fact that some LSEs have not procured sufficient capacity to meet their RA requirements, some LSEs have sought to expand their customer territories, unquote. So the CPUC is concerned that expansion by LSEs that have not met their RA requirements jeopardizes reliability and causes them to lean on other LSEs that have met their full RA obligations. So the division proposed that any CCA or energy service provider with a deficiency of greater than 2.5% of its system RA requirement on a month ahead RA filing during the previous two calendar years should not be able to expand and take on any new customer load. So that decision was improved by the CPUC. Investor-owned utilities, including San Diego Gas and Electric, Pacific Gas and Electric, and Southern California Edison supported this proposal, according to the decision. Predictably, CalCCA and the Alliance for Retail Energy Markets and a couple of other CCAs oppose it. CalCCA said in their original comments that it believes the regulation is unlawful, arguing that it exceeded the CPUC's authority under Assembly Bill 117. That was a 2002 legislation that permitted CCA formation in California. In that decision, the CPUC cited an earlier decision in which it implemented processes to permit CCAs to form, quote, there we acknowledge that the commission has the authority to exercise limited jurisdiction over non-utilities in furtherance of regulation of public utilities, including resource adequacy. CCA put out a news release on this regarding its application for rehearing urging the CPC to revisit the decision and correct numerous legal errors. CCA expansion simply moves customers from one energy provider to another and has, quote, a zero net effect on RA demand or the available supply to meet California's energy needs, unquote. That's from CalCCA's news release. CalCCA said the CPUC decision also violates the commission's legal requirement to apply RA enforcement measures in a non-discriminatory manner because it excludes their retail competitors, which are IOUs. So uh, some controversy there from CalCCA will continue to follow this issue. That's reporting from Jaden Young, who was our summer intern, who's really uh, lighting it on fire here at CEM with her coverage. Very impressive. So lastly, a little bit of federal news. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission on July 27th approved a sweeping rule aimed at reducing a grid interconnection backlog. FERC Chairman Willie Phillips said that backlog has grown to 2,000 gigawatts, which is massive. He said at a press conference, quote, this rule will ensure that our country's vast generation resources are able to interconnect to the transmission system in a reliable, efficient, transparent, and timely manner, unquote. That was a 4-0 vote to adopt the rule. Mr. Phillips predicts significant decreases in the time generation projects wait in interconnection queues. This will be welcome news to the industry. He noted there are four times as many projects in interconnection queues now than in 2010. This is unacceptable, according to Mr. Phillips. The rule, order number 2023, replaces first-come, first-serve interconnection studies with a cluster study process that replaces serial studies of individual projects with studies of multiple projects at the same time. This is something we've been hearing about from industry for a long time that needs to happen. A lot of reform needed in interconnection queues and a lot of reform happening here in California through initiatives at the 
California independent system operator. Tristan Kessler, an economist in FERC's Office of Energy Policy and Innovation, said, in addition, project proponents requesting interconnection would have to front increased financial requirements to enter and remain in queues, pay higher study deposits, and meet higher site control requirements. Kessler said, quote, these reforms will discourage speculative, commercially non-viable interconnection requests and allow transmission providers to focus on processing interconnection requests that have a greater chance of reaching commercial operation. The rule will require studies to model ride-through requirements for inverter-based resources. That's consistent with North American Electric Reliability Corporation recommendations. The rule also imposes deadlines on transmission providers to complete studies, use a standardized study process, and evaluate alternative transmission technologies. As enumerated by Commissioner Allison Clements, quote, static synchronous compensators, static VAR compensators, advanced power control devices, transmission switching, synchronous condensers, voltage source converters, advanced conductors, tower lifting, good stuff. We put all these things in the rule for transmission providers to consider. What we see in interconnection queues across the country is the majority of projects in them don't get built, leads to a lot of wasted money, a lot of wasted time uh, in interconnection studies. But we're seeing things really move forward quickly on this. And that's the new rule from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So that's it from us this week here at News Data. We hope you enjoy Energy West. Check out our website at newsdata.com. You can get a couple free reads from CEM and our sister publication, The Excellent Clearing Up. CEM is on the platform now known as X, formerly known as Twitter, at CEM News Data. That's at CEM News Data. I'm also on X on Twitter formerly known as Twitter. I'm Jason Fordney. My handle on Twitter is Fordney Energy. I cannot stop calling it Twitter. Forgive me. It is now called X. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.